Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. His name is Clint Schumacher, and he's a husband, a father, a lawyer, and a football coach. He is passionate about building teams that are resilient, engaged, and motivated. He has the unique experience of both working to solve complex legal problems and coaching young athletes to succeed. And we're going to touch on how both of those are a bit similar in today's world. He has helped clients obtained over a hundred million dollars in judgments or settlements. He has completed a marathon, climbed the Sydney Harbor Bridge, and I've been in Sydney, so that's quite an experience to climb up to the top of that without having a heart attack on the top of that for the view that you get. He's delivered two TEDx talks and he's won a belly flop contest <laughs> and, and helped to finish deep in the money at the World Series of Poker. What a variegated, interesting past you've had, Clint. Uh, well, thank you, Dr. Like, I, uh, you're very kind to say that and I appreciate the very generous introduction. It's a great honor and pleasure to get to be, be with you today. Well, thank you for being here. Now, you have written a book called Second Win, Decisions the Resilient Make to Overcome Adversity. Now, now, Clint, what empowered you or what caused you to write a book? Adversity is all around us, and I'm sure you've been through some of it. But what caused you to write a book on it? Yeah, so that journey really started uh, in a unique place. It was it was at the conclusion of a fifth grade youth football team. I was coaching my son's team and they had been very successful over two seasons. And we were playing in that season's Super Bowl, um, you know, championship game. And we did not play well. And so the game didn't start well. Uh, it was things were going against us and, and the kids started melting down. And as we walked off the field that day, having lost, I thought I was really frustrated with the kids. How could they have so much success over the prior two years and all the work that we had put in? And, and then when things don't go well in this championship game, respond to it in such a, a, you know, less than optimum or less than positive way. And so I walked off the field and, and uh, stewed on it for a couple of weeks. And then there's a saying that we sometimes have in the coaching profession, which is everything you see on the field, you either taught it or you allowed it to happen. And it just hit home to me very strongly that I had failed them as a coach. And we in the, as, a, as a coaching staff had not prepared them to deal with adversity in the context of a game. And so then it dawned on me, you know, there's these 11-year-old boys who are facing – 
the game not going well and in real time trying to figure out how do I adjust to that? Of course they weren't going to do well. I, I had not prepared them to do well. And so then I really started a deep dive into this subject of resiliency and mental toughness and how do we respond to adversity that comes up in our life, whether it's in athletics or whether it's in our career or whether it's in our marriage. And I was really grappling with the question of, is is that something that can be taught? Can it be improved? Is it is it all natural or can it be enhanced? And what I began to find were some very common themes and common thought patterns and common states of mind that the super resilient had. And while we all are born with different levels of resiliency, I am absolutely convinced that we can increase our resiliency. We can increase our mental toughness by doing certain things and having certain habits and having certain patterns of life. And so what started as a way to hopefully be better as a coach and better prepare my team into the next season, I figured out, you know what, it was impacting how I was dealing with adversity in my own life and the thought patterns I was having in my mindset. It, it was helpful helpful to people that I was working with and trying to mentor at work. It was helpful to clients that were coming to me with very difficult legal problems. And so I, I finally decided, you know what, I've done a lot of work here. Um, I've done a lot of research. I've got something that, that I think is worth sharing. And so I tried to put it into a book uh, so I could share with others the things that I had learned over the years that I was studying the subject. Well, you know, and you may or may not agree with this, but one of the greatest coaches of all time was Vince Lombardi. Oh, yeah. Because of his fortuitiveness, because of his degree of dealing with adversity, he was able to lead a team that was, I would say, not world-class players. Probably some were great, some were not, but he landed in the days before the Super Bowl to more victories than you would ever imagine. Absolutely. And I think there's tremendous power in a coach and their ability to get a team to believe in itself, learn how to deal with both the good things that happen and the bad things that happen. And ultimately, the athletes on the field have to do it. The people in the game, the people out on the playing field of life have to do it. But the power of the mentor or coach to prepare them mentally to be as successful as possible, I think there's tremendous power in that. Okay, well, in addition to being a trial attorney, you being that high school coach, what characteristics and decisions do you find translate from those athletes from to the professional and personal world? Because that's the life we're really playing all the time. That's the game we're playing. Yeah, football is important to them for 11-year-olds, but really it's the game of life that's more important than that. Oh, extremely well said. And and to me, what we do in athletics is really just a safe place to prepare you to be a successful spouse, a successful um, parent, a successful employer or employee. And so you're trying to teach you, you use athletics as a as a medium to try to teach greater life lessons. And so what you've said is exactly right. And the things that that I think come out of the athletic arena that translate so well into other parts of life is, well, dealing with adversity, the very subject that we started with, but then also how do you work with others? How do you learn to believe in yourself? How do you begin to connect the fact that hard work has a consequence of good results and that those two things ride together. And so as you, as you hone that in a safe, the safe space of athletics where a win or a loss is, is not permanent. Uh, if you can begin to hone that and 
put it into the other arenas of life that are quite frankly, higher stakes, then I think that athletics has served its purpose. And, and that's what I, as a coach, at least try to do. Okay. So as a parent and coach, how do you get people to be resilient? How, how do you get these kids to be resilient? As you said, in that moment of difficulty, your, your 11 year old uh, football players did not have that mental toughness. They did not have that ability to respond to perhaps a greater team that was was there. Sure, through the whole year, they met success after success after success. But when you know, when you get to that last game, it's a team that has had equal success, if not greater. They might, you know, at that age group, I know there's kids on the team. Some are bigger than others. Some are more talented. It's a whole hodgepodge for 11-year-olds. Some are, are, are gigantic. So that whole team might have consisted of players that were twice the size of your players. And, of course, having more muscle, more strength, and, and one little thing might have led to another. Absolutely. And, you know, I love the saying that it's not the best team that wins. It's the team that plays the best. And so it's a matter of maximizing the talent that you have. And and that's, you know, that's true in life. And so, you know, you know, you asked, how do you how do you teach resilience? And there's many things and and different people in different situations require different tools. You got to have different tools in the toolbox. But I think one thing that's common is really learning and this is something we work with our younger athletes but it's true in 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 younger professionals as well is dealing with failure and if you can start to see failure as not an end result is not a judgment on who you are as a person or your skill set, but simply an opportunity to learn if you take advantage of it. And if you can begin to see failure in that way that, okay, this is going to propel me to something greater. If I learn the lessons from the failure and begin to apply them the next time, then I think that's a, that has a huge impact on how we deal with resilient with, with obstacles in our life. And are we resilient to those obstacles? And so one of the things we talk to the young athletes about one of the things I talk to my kids about one of the things I talk to people that I mentor and candidly some of the self-talk I try to have with myself is that mistakes are fine. You know, we, you try to avoid them, but you want to make sure you learn the lesson from them and come out of them stronger than you were when you went into it. So let me ask you a question. Uh, Did you personally, and did your team grow because of that failure you had at that Super Bowl level, did you learn from that and grow more than you would have if you had success? Absolutely. I, I'll I'll speak for myself first, and then I'll speak to um, what I hope was the experience of the boys going into the next several seasons after that. Um, I got a lot better at teaching um, myself athletes, others, how to deal with failure and how to have a mindset of of putting a mistake, a mistake recovery system uh, into place and being able to deal in real time with bad things that were happening, adversity that was happening. But, you know, it, it really, as I say, impacted my thought process for obstacles that were coming up in my own life and in my family's life. And, and, it was no longer scary 
to be in the midst of a difficult situation. It was an opportunity for us to get stronger together, or if it was happening to me individually, to get stronger individually. And then for those those athletes, hopefully I, I was a better coach to them the next season and the season after that. And hopefully I taught them because of the experience we all had together, something that was useful to them, not only in their athletic career, but something that they'll take with them as they go into college and deal with difficult courses in college, go into a new profession where there's a steep learning curve and maybe they don't know as much as everybody else and they're making mistakes along the way, or it's just very, very hard, much harder than they thought it was going to be. Or if they get into marriage and as you know, things come up in marriage that, that you don't anticipate when you go into it, it's harder than you think it's going to be. And if you don't have the skill set to fight through that adversity and that hardship, um, then I think you're lacking a, a very critical component to future success in, in whatever arena of life you may be looking at. Yes, I've always said uh, failures give us a greater lesson than our successes. Oh, it, my goodness. It, it's a shortcut to get us even more success in life. So I, I wouldn't say I've, I would enjoy failure. I, I wouldn't say it's something I revel in. But I think it's something that we all have to say, okay, I've learned from that. I've gotten off the mat. I've learned to become better. And this is where I need to be at. And this is where I need to prosper at. So these are the difficulties that we face. These are the difficulties we, we have. But it basically is a very effective shortcut for us to be better at life. Oh, my goodness. That, that is so true. And, you know, transitioning to legal career for a moment. I mean, when I lose a hearing or when I lose a trial, I always learn a lot more than when I win. And you go back and you replay it. What went wrong? Why did this not go as expected? And you hopefully get better at your craft as a result of that. The trick is, and I don't always do this well, but I'm trying to get better is when you win, Still being able to look back with a critical eye and go, okay, I, I was successful here. This did work out, but where was my process flawed? Um, and it's, it's always harder to do it when you've been successful as opposed to when you've had that failure. Exactly. Now, your book features wisdom from ancient Stoic philosophers. How did you hear about these philosophers and how, how did you, you know, why is this important in impacting your life and the impacting those of your students that you're teaching now? Yeah, I, before writing the book, I didn't know anything about Stoics. I, I I was not a philosophy student. You know, I was in the College of Business in college. We didn't study things like that, and so I was completely um, ignorant, unaware of Stoics and Stoic philosophy. But as I was studying how to teach mental toughness and how to teach resiliency, the the wisdom of the Stoics kept coming up. Um, you know, the wisdom of people like Marcus Aurelius uh, and, and some of his contemporaries kept surfacing and bubbling up in the writings of Ryan Holiday, who's who's a, a modern author, but who has written a lot about Stoic philosophy, kept coming to the front of mind. And there was, as you say, a lot of wisdom in their thought processes. And they have have blessed us by writing down some of what they thought and some of what they experienced. And, and what they said 2000 years ago still is very relevant today, particularly in this this arena of looking at 
and trying to deal with adversity. And so um, I have found a lot of, of wisdom in those writings and tried to incorporate that in a modern way, not only into what I wrote, but into what I try to teach the folks that I'm working with. Yeah, and I think that's important. You know, in my book, uh, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, one of the things I write about is uh, a quotation from Epictetus, who is about 2000 BC, who wrote a fantastic statement of it's not what happens to you, it's what you do with what happens. Mm. And and I think that is a very stoic philosophy that you have. Now, Epictetus was a Greek slave who rose from being a Greek slave to being a free man because of the duties he did and the things he did. Now, think about that, being mm. a slave and rising to a free man as a result of your efforts and things like that, especially in a day of Romans when they did not uh, honor the free manship very much. No, absolutely. Epictetus is a great story. And, you know, in addition to coming out of slavery into freedom, um, you know, it's widely believed in history and from some of his writings that he had a pretty significant physical ailment too, probably believed to be at the hands of his masters. And so to, to grow up like that, it, it would be very easy to say, man, woe is me. Um, and I think that's the mindset that many fall into when they deal with adversity. Woe is me. Uh, how could this happen to me? But in reality, that's just life. I mean, that happens to all of us. Um, all of us are going to deal with adversities. All of us are going to deal with hardships. And the the difference is, is do we then have the mind of Epictetus to, to get past work through that adversity and continue to have a, a, a vision for ourselves, a mindset for ourselves that is that enables us to get through that adversity effectively. And not only that, but to get stronger and to put it to good use for whatever uh, part of life we've got left. Yeah, let's let's go into another part of a person's life. Let's suppose somebody is facing the biggest challenge of their life. Mm. They feel completely overwhelmed and don't know where to start. What is the first decision you would encourage them to make? Well, that's a, Great question. That gets right to the heart of it. And I, I am convinced that somebody in that situation, the most important thing they can do is to find somebody else that has already navigated that situation. You know, it, it's it's rare that we have things come up in life that are unique in that no one else has ever dealt with it before. And there are resources available for people who are going through a struggle. There's probably somebody that's been down that path. And if you can find that person, if you can connect to that person, then they can provide a roadmap Two things. They can give you a roadmap for how to navigate it. But two, they can give you hope that you can get to the other side. And and when I have gone through struggle in my life, the ability to connect to somebody that has already been through that situation has been very, very powerful. Yeah, and I, I think those are important words. And, you know, you can connect with those people either in books. Mm. You can connect to them either in person in this day and age. You can connect to them in podcasts. You can connect to them on radio shows. There's so many multiple areas people can get connected to in this day and age with wisdom that you can get to that you wouldn't have had in years gone by. Now, I do 
caution people about this because I find the internet is the world's greatest resort, but it's like the greatest, greatest, uh, resource. Uh, but it's like a library that has the greatest books, but it's full of garbage cans. And you can't tell the garbage cans from the greatest books that are there. You know, it's it's so interesting you said that. I was having that exact conversation with somebody about four days ago that we have in, in modern times, we have this incredible amount of information at our fingertips, more than we've ever had. And you literally, I, I'm not sure there's any subject that you can't find a YouTube video about. If you want to cook something, if you want to make something, if you want to learn how to fix your car, I mean, there's a YouTube video about just about everything. But at the same time as you've just said there's a lot of junk out there and i think part of of the um you know part of the wisdom for us in the modern time is the discernment to figure out what is it that's the gold nugget and what is it that's the the fake gold the pyrite and um and, and so trying to discern the signal from all the noise that that is out there is more important now than it's ever been and so you you are very much correct it's a very much a double edged sword Hey, and, and that's the difficulty. I, I, I know when I had my ailment of, uh, back in 2003 and I was, you know, I had a foot drop. I went to see a world leading neurologist and he told me, get your affairs in order. You have six months to live. You have mm-hmm. ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And, and you know, I, I didn't know where to turn. And back in 2003, the internet was a very primitive thing. I mean, the way you had to get on was with inter, with dial on connections. And, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. And, and you had to basically speak in languages you did not understand, like <laughs> DOS and things like that, because there were no memory and computers. So you right. couldn't access the higher powers we have now. So a good thing I had friends who, who could literally help me through this, this difficult time. Uh, but you know, it's because of them that I was able to transcend this, find somebody that had been on the path that I eventually went on and was able to find a solution for my problem. And, and this is true of everything right now. If you're listening, if you're doing that, I, I encourage people to make sure you find ways. And if you want a shortcut to all this, I, I think the easiest way to find um, a way through the morass of life is to find a coach, just like a football coach helps their team, just like a hockey coach helps their team. I, I think a coach in life helps people. And I think people should look for a coach that has something that they can offer you and, and make it easier for you. Oh, I, that is incredibly wise. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, I, I, I think that, we look at kids, we look, you know, think about a baby learning how to walk. Okay. Nobody would criticize a baby for falling down. Um, they are learning how to walk. They're trying to get it figured out. No one would expect that a baby would grow without having the mentoring of a parent. Well, the, the fact that you fast forward 30 years and you're dealing with now a situation that you haven't dealt with before the thought that it's somewhat unusual or unexpected that you would seek out a a coach, you would seek out a mentor, you would seek out someone with greater wisdom than where you're at. Um, uh, the, the fact that, that people think that's an unwise thing or an unusual thing has always 
confounded me. I mean, I, I think there is incredible value in finding someone who is in your corner, who knows more than you have because of experience and who can guide you, who can be a third party looking in to give you insight on those matters that you're thinking through or trying to work through. I, I, I am a big fan of coaches, not only athletic coaches, but but coaches in life as well. Clint, this show is called How to Live a Fantastic Life. Now, from your perspective of being a husband, a father, a lawyer, a football coach, and somebody who's won a belly flop competition, being in the World Series of Poker, what is your secret to having a fantastic life? I love that question. Um, I really believe that if you can figure out what your core values are, what is it that's at the core of your heart? And, and, and the, the English word core comes from the Latin root word C-O-R, which is affiliated with the heart. And so when, when you can sit down and figure out who is it that I really want to be? Who is it that I'm called to be in this world? How do I want to show up in this world? When you can take the time and the intentionality to figure that out and then begin to align your life consistent with who it is that you want to be, not only does it make your decisions easier, but it brings so much fulfillment into your life. And when you can take the intentionality to go through that process and then live in accordance with it, then I really think you begin to live the life that you are called to live and that you want to live, which I would, would I, which I would define as, as living a fantastic life. Yeah, and I, I would agree. You know, I think it starts with purpose mm. and then it goes to your non-negotiables. Now, yeah. non-negotiables are not talked about very much in, in personal life. They're talked about in business life a lot. But I think it's important to have those non-negotiables in personal life as well. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. Okay, Clint, you're just about at our end here. How can people find out more about your world, about the world of Clint Schumacher, and how can they get a copy of your book? Well, thank you for asking me that. I, I'd love to visit with anybody that would like to talk more about the things that we've talked about today. Uh, my, my virtual door is always open. I can be found at our book's website, which is www.findsecondwind.com. And uh, the book is available in hard copy on Amazon or pretty much anywhere else books are sold and is also available in audio uh, version. An audio version of the book is available on Audible. And so I'd love to um, I'd, I'd love to connect with you after you've read the book and uh, hear what you thought about it. And if it makes some difference in the way that you live your life, boy, that would be a great encouragement to me. Well, that's great, Clint. Now, again, I'll just mention the, the name of the book for everybody. It's called Second Wind, Decisions the Resilient Make to Overcome Adversity, so that everybody can find it if they so want to. And I, I think this is a great place to start, especially from a person like you who's a coach of, of, of life, so to speak. Uh, well, thank you. It has been a great pleasure to be on your show. And so I don't want to leave without commending you for the work that you do. And I think the more people who, as you have, take time to take the experiences of life that you have, the lessons of life that you've learned and share those uh, with other folks. I mean, at, at, at its essence, that what's that is what makes community great. And that's what makes life great. And so I thank you for what you're doing and the very positive impact that you're having in the world. Thank you very much, Clint. And uh, it really is a privilege 
to be able to help people. And I, I, as I say, I live a fantastic life for the same reasons you do. Indeed, indeed, and we're we're. Uh, I feel very blessed uh, to to be able to do that, and hopefully, I'm able to pass that on to the generation that's coming behind me. No, thank you, Clint. And I'd like to say to our audience, I hope to talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.